Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hello, guys. Welcome to episode 26. We are pretty pumped because today we're starting a new season. Yep. So um, our last season would be episodes 1 through 25, or we could even call it like quarters, like we're in college, you know, because 25 is a quarter. Whatever. See, I'm so old that we didn't do quarters in college. Well, I didn't either, but, but I always they thought, do it now. I always thought they would make more sense. Yeah, some colleges do. Did. Yeah. But now I think most of the colleges on our quarter system anyways. <laughs> I like quarters. We got done with a quarter. And now um, we are going on to another quarter. Yep. So this uh, series we're going to do for the next few episodes is on contentment. And the reason we wanted to tackle this now um, as we're getting into what we've been calling the R months, September, October, November, December. Um, you know, these are those crazy months of the year where there's a lot going on. We see a lot of family. And there's a lot to breed discontent, whether it's someone else has you know, a better Christmas card than you, or, you know, their kids look more put together or just a million things. I mean, it's like Halloween costumes and it can just get really like discontent really quick. And you're going to people's Christmas parties and maybe you're a crappy hostess and you go to a perfect hostess and just, there's so much um, opportunity to be discontent that we wanted to talk intentionally about contentment. And we've picked three topics that we think um, are pretty universal. Yeah. And that kind of come up around this time of year. So the first one we're going to talk about today is aging. Yep. And then we're going to go to finances next. Yes. Okay. Then we're going to talk about finances, which always hits everybody harder (laughs) on the holidays. And then the last one will be on um, just like our relationships and families. families, And we're going to talk about some boundaries and things like that. So, um, but today we're going to start with aging and But first, before we do that, let's define contentment and talk a little bit about what contentment actually means. Okay, so I think I think that sometimes when we think of the word contentment, especially in like um, church circles, we have this idea that that means that we're just like happy about everything. Like no matter what comes our way, we're happy about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you need to get over it and be content. Because people are starving in Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like when you're younger, I don't want to eat what I have for dinner. Well, people in China would like that. That was what my mom always used to say. I don't know why she chose China. Anyways. um, (laughs) But anyways, um, yeah. So, but it, there, I think that there's more to the biblical definition of contentment, what contentment means. And so, um, the one of the definitions that I found that I thought was perfect and I think should be our working definition is an internal satisfaction, which does not demand changes in external circumstances. Mm. So, an internal sen- satisfaction, so it's inside you. The satisfaction is inside of you, which does not demand changes in external circumstances. Um, so I thought that was good because it's this, it's more where your heart is, no matter what's happening externally. And, um, and, and like, obviously we can't be happy about all the good and bad things that happen to us, but there can be an internal posture of satisfaction, even when things aren't always happy and joyful. Well, and to say that doesn't demand, I think that's an imperative word there because I think like. You can want to change. You can want changes. You can desire a new job or whatever it is, but you're not going to let that determine your happiness or you're not going to demand that until I get this, I'm just going to dig my heels in and be mad. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And well, and the Hebrew word for contentment is y'all. 
Not y'all. <gasps> Wait, what is it? It's y'all, which is Y-A apostrophe A-L. So it's close to y'all, but it's Y-A apostrophe A-L. Okay. Oh I don't my know my Hebrew, I was much better at Greek than Hebrew Oh, this school. is like a meme waiting to happen. Like, <laughs> Yale, y'all. Oh, that's happening. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so anyways, that's, a, that's the Hebrew word. And it, and it, it basically just means to be pleased. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. the Hebrew definition is, is this idea of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Greek definition, or the Greek word is archaeo, which is um, kind of lends itself to this idea of a habit or a permanent state of mind. Hmm. So it's, once again, going back to it's a very internal thing. I like that it was a habit. So contentment is a habit that we have to build. It doesn't, we don't just like wake up one day and say, I'm going to be content. Yep. But it's like. And if you do, good luck. (laughs) It'll last about a couple weeks. Yes. Yeah. So um, it's more of this idea that we have to, um, it's a state of mind that we have to constantly be working on um, that, we can't just decide one day we're going to be content. We never have to work on it again. Right, right. Which I think is good because I think sometimes um, as Christians, at least for me, if I'm not, if I have days where I'm discontent that I think that I just don't have this whole this whole thing figured out, that's mm. very ungodly of me that I'm discontent in this situation. Uh, instead of coming with it, what is God trying to teach me in my discontent to bring me towards contentment? And what can I, where, in what areas can I grow to make me more content instead of just, thinking that I need to like snap my fingers and I'm going to be content and then just stay that way. Yep. Because that's true of like any, any struggle we have with like where you see the ideal that Jesus displayed and then you see how you fall short. Like, I think it's so easy to be like, well, I'm just going to be more giving or I'm just going to be kinder. or I'm just going to be more loving. I'm going to be more content. Like you, you it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It really doesn't. So we want to go into like, yeah. Like how do we actually live this out in a way that we're, you know, living up to Jesus, but we're not shaming ourselves for not. And I think a lot of times um, that Philippians verse yes. is brought up. So Philippians 4, 11 through 13, every time you say contentment, that's where people point to. And they like to take that verse and pull it right out of context. So the verse, just to remind everybody, um, Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, not, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I, I know how to abound. And in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we like to pull those different mm-hmm. verses out. We like to pull out that I will be content in anything. Um, verse, we like to, to pull out the I can do all things through things through him who strengthens me. I mean, those make like really good t-shirts and mm-hmm. bracelets. They're good and, slogans. Yeah, they're good um, uh, coffee mugs. Um, and so, but it, the context is it of uh, this is, is this is the end of Philippians. He's doing all these exhortations to the, the Paul. church, Paul, the church at Philippi. Um, and in verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So it's this idea they were concerned because he's in jail at this point. He's writing Mm -hmm. this letter from jail and from jail. He is saying, I can be content in any circumstances. He's He's been through shipwrecks. And that's not like Martha Stewart jail. <laughs> like, it's not. <laughs> well, actually, it's house arrest. Okay. So, at this point, he's not, he's not actually in jail. Okay. But, okay. like, in a, like, 
cell somewhere. There were times where he was in, in but his history, yeah, yes. like, and well, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, yes, he's, he's been hungry. Like he, like, legitimately has been through all the good stuff and all the bad stuff, yeah, um, in his life, and so he can legitimately say um, that he can be t- content in all circumstances, and he's not just saying that from the uh, this platitude without uh-huh. ever actually experiencing. Yes. And that goes back to that definition of an internal satisfaction, which does does not demand changes in external circumstances. Nowhere in that chapter does Paul say, I wish I wasn't in jail. Mm-hmm. I wish I had never been beaten for the sake of the gospel. I wish I had never been shipwrecked for the sake of the gospel. He like never says that. And all that, but that is a working in him. I mean, mm-hmm. there are plenty of scripture passages where Paul says, you know, I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. So this is not a, you know, perfect person or a perfect man. Um but I think the most key part of that passage, which I never really thought of until I read it again this morning, was in and every circumstance, I have learned the secret mm-hmm. of contentment. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, what is the secret of contentment? And I prayed about it, prayed about it. And where I came, my conclusion that I came to is trust. Mm-hmm. So the secret of contentment is trust. Mm-hmm. So if you look at your life and say, I'm disconnect, discontent in X area, I think you can, this is my personal opinion, you can directly link that back to, I don't trust God with X. I think that's so true, yeah. So, so our discontentment is directly related to our distrust of God, and our contentment in any circumstance is related to our trust in God. And... Um, so that goes back to the Greek word, the the habit, the the permanent state of mind, um, this inward um, happiness, um, satisfaction, or whatever you want to talk about, contentment, how you want to describe it, is more based on is, is less based on our situation and our emotions, and more about um, where our heart is. Um, and I think that's the, and the Hebrews 13, five, there's lots of verses on contentment, but this is my other one. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about finances with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Mm-hmm. That's Hebrews 13, five. And so he's directly linking contentment with the fact that God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Mm-hmm. So contentment and trust. You yeah. trust that God is going to be there and that he'll never leave us or forsake us no matter the circumstances. So if we can truly believe that, then we can be content. If we can't believe that, we're always going to be discontent. No matter if a good circumstance comes our way or a bad circumstance comes our way, we're mm-hmm. never going to be content in either one of those situations until we trust that God's never going to leave us or forsake us. Yeah. And I think like when I heard the word secret, the first thing I thought was like, it's in the practicing. Yeah. But that in itself is a trust because you don't mm-hmm. practice something you don't think is going to eventually lead to something else. Like Definitely. you think you always are going to suck at softball. <laughs> I mean, I'm awesome at softball, but I'm not. Um, but if you think you're always going to suck at something, then why would you practice it? Or And that, yeah. that in itself is a way of trusting, trusting. God to say, okay, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to choose it. Cause even like the, it's a command be content. Yeah. I mean, we can't command our feelings, Yeah, but we can command our actions. And I yeah. think that's what it's saying too. And our, and our desire to trust God and yes. our push plodding through, even when we feel um, distrust, walking through, knowing that God will not. We just have to continue to remind us that He's always there. His promises are always true, and if we continue to like remind ourselves of that, because we're going to wake up some days where we're discontent, and some days where yeah. we're content, um, and we just have to continue to come back to that trust, and that's where contentment comes out of. It's not this well. 
you know, my husband lost his job, so I'm just going to figure out how to be content in this. Yeah. No, it's a, my husband lost his job, but I trust that God's never going to leave us or forsake us. Yes. Like, and then I can be content, even yeah. though we're going to push forward and figure out what God wants for us next. Yeah. So, because contentment is also not just like sitting there doing nothing. I was going to say, it's not like, well, you lost your job. So let's just sit here and wait and pray and God will bring it, bring it right. to us. Like, Which kinda, might happen, but. But, but it's kind of like we were talking about yes. with Jennifer, like yeah. Duke Slee, when she was on a couple episodes ago, just that idea of like, we also are given gifts and we're supposed to like. Yes work and do things yes. like so it's not the contentment that just because I think sometimes that's how contentment can be construed is like well just you know whatever yeah. deal with it so Definitely. we're not saying that either any other thoughts on like the basic definition of contentment before we get into aging I don't think so okay yeah. so you know we were <laughs> trying to just decide what we were going to talk about next and like one of the subjects that I'm real fired up about right now <laughs> is um the, this idea of aging and mm-hmm. aging gracefully in our culture. Um, and it might just be because this um, episode is going to air one day before my birthday. <laughs> so when you're getting this tomorrow, I, it will be my birthday and it'll be my 39th birthday. And I keep making jokes about how I'm not having any more birthdays after this one. We're just going to freeze here and we're not going to celebrate anymore because I'll be 40 next year. I'm, I'm mostly joking because um, I, I did feel that way when I turned 30. Mm-hmm. There was this fear when I turned 30. I have a lot less fear with turning 40. But anyways, um, another thing that brought me, not just the, the end of a decade coming up, but also what's really um, thrown me is um, I I have lots of areas in this area of growing older that does bother me. But what doesn't is physical changes. And, and that's exactly what bothers me so yeah, much. Yeah, so it's interesting. Rebecca and I were talking before we turned the microphone on. Like, we... We have, it's funny that we're coming in from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we talk about where we're d- discontent in aging, I, I was saying that the physical manifestations of aging doesn't, doesn't really bother me. Um, but there are like other parts of growing older and feeling discontent and that I'm not where I feel like I should be um, career-wise or just in purpose or what I'm doing every day. Like, I don't feel like I'm where I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I am struggling with my content, contentment and where I am in my age. Um, and then you talked about how the physical stuff is what bothers you. Yeah, and I mean, I think it all goes back to, like, you know, we're going to struggle with seeing whatever it is that we've been valued for, like kind of slipping away, right. Whether that's like an internal value or an external value. So like for me, it just has always been important to the people around me that I be beautiful. It's just always been something, I mean, and and not like overtly. So like my mom didn't like throw me in pageants or anything, but it, (laughs) it was just always like, that's what I heard, you know, like, and it, you know, it was like, yeah, good job on whatever you just did at school, but like your, your dress is so pretty or you're so, or look at your hair, like all these things. And so then, you know, it's like, you kind of go through that with that expectation. And then when that's reinforced and I'm not, and I don't know, I, I feel like weird talking about this, but I think a lot of people struggle with this. No, I do. Yeah. I think um, but I think like, so now when I'm older, I remember two years ago, I called my mentor and hysterics because I got in my car and you know the rear view mirror of truth where it's just like you see what you really look like and I had the beginning of little crow's feet around my eyes and I just like I don't really have wrinkles and um I saw them and I was like oh my god because it was the first time I noticed that I was aging like actually saw it um and it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I called her and I was hysterical and she just kind of like 
was like, well, I mean, this is the best you're ever going to look. You can look at it that way. And I was yeah. like, that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. But, you know, it's brought me to that thing where I'm really thinking, I'm having to put it all in perspective. Because I think that's the key to being able to accept this is like, I'm allowed to be, you know, frustrated with mm-hmm. changes and how I look. But if I let that overtake me and I don't see it all in like the perspective and as yeah. a whole of like my life, that can get really overwhelming. But the thing is, I've had to be really careful about, you know, even like social media accounts I follow or things like that. But yeah, I mean, I struggle, I struggle a lot with this. It's really hard because to me, that's always been what was valued about me was my appearance. And like, as it started, and I'm not like, I'm not saying I'm like hideous or anything, but you know, it's like, you're seeing it go away. You're seeing it. Well, I mean, you know, our our outward body is wasting away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's biblical. That's yes. scriptural truth. Our outward, so what do we do with that? And it's, right. it's interesting. My big soapbox with this comes in. Uh, this is a, a gender hypocrisy. Yeah, for sure. Because men don't sit around worrying about what they look like as age. I mean, some men struggle with balding and stuff like that. But, but otherwise, for the most part, um, culture tells us that men as they age become more handsome and women yeah. as they age become less beautiful. Yeah. And this, this and it doesn't matter as much what a man looks like. I mean, let's yes. just be real. Like women, it, yes. it really matters yeah. how we look to the whole world. Like, exactly. Yeah. And so this is definitely, I feel like a, there's a major gender gap here. And this is where I get fired up. And this really hit home for me. So I, um, my family um, struggle, well, you know, I don't think it's a struggle, but the world would think it was a struggle with um, early graying, like you prematurely mm-hmm. gray. So I started graying in my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I got to my 20s, I started dyeing my hair, which is unusual for for someone to have to start dyeing their hair for grays in their 20s. Like mm-hmm. you, that usually starts happening more in your 30s and 40s, 50s. Then you're like, oh, I need to start dyeing my hair. Um, I, w- I didn't dye my hair for fun because I wanted to try new colors. I dyed it to color right, my right. grays, mostly because I was 19 years old and yeah. I was getting grays. Um, but as I've approached 40 in the past year, I've stopped dyeing my hair and I'm totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like I like my hair the way God made it. Um, I, I would rather... Um, stop dying it now into this slow process now when I just have patches of gray versus, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm older and it's really hard to stop. And I like the way my hair looks with speckles of gray. And so I was like, this is a decision that I've made and I like it. Yeah. And so, and if somebody else decides to dye their hair because they want to cover their grays, that's the decision that they made. Right. And like, I'm not judging their decision right, right. as much as I don't want my decision to be judged. But I have been amazed at how many people have had something to say about it. Yes. Like, yep. I just, and it's mostly men. Um, and really, cause I feel like a lot of women have been like, go girl. Like, yeah. Well, that, you, there's been positive things from women. Yeah. Mostly, mostly positive things or, or I wish I could do what you're doing. And I'm like, I'm really, you know, I'm not saving the world. I, I've decided to stop dying my hair. Like there are way more important issues and that's where yeah. I've come to. And, and this isn't a matter of, you know, letting myself go. Cause I'm about to be 40. This is a, right. because I still, I'm healthy and I eat well and exercise and all of those things. And I, I like to, you know, dress nice and like all of that. So it's not a matter of letting myself go because I've just like decided that I'm, oh, this is how I'm going to age. But it's more of like, 
God created me like this, and I like my hair like this, and mm-hmm. I was only covering it because I felt like that's what culture said I should do. Right. And I also have this— It like, was what was your motive for doing it. And here's—and I also have this twinge of fight the power in me, too. Yeah. Okay, not just a little twinge. I have a major twinge of fight the power in me. So I'm like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight this cultural norm that says that women have to dye their hair yeah. because they're getting older, and they need to cover up the fact that they're getting older and that that's how God created their body to be. Just like— it, but men, like, you know, my husband's beard is starting to go gray. Nobody tells him he needs to dye yeah. his beard, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just, it, it's really, it just really irks me that nobody would ever walk up to a man in a grocery store mm-hmm. and say, I'm so proud of you for not dyeing your beard. Oh, yeah. Why, why do I get told, um, it gets said something to me about my hair? Well, and it can be patronizing, too. It's very patronizing. It's like, how do you... Well, and I feel the same way about the body image stuff we've talked about before. Like, I mean, ever since I decided to stop dieting, I've gained 10 pounds, and it sucks. But I'm also like, look, this is what I look like. And But if, like, my husband's also gained weight since we've been married. But it's like, oh, dad bod. Haha. <laughs> it's like a thing, and it's cute. Yeah. But when women gain 10 pounds because they had kids or, like, whatever, or they're getting older, yeah. it's like... Oh, honey. And if I'm not showing that I am making effort, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is the weird thing that I feel like. Like, I feel like other women, as long as I'm, like, making comments, like, oh, I really should eat a salad or, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Let me, let me, I'll be better tomorrow. If I'm not making comments to acknowledge something, yeah. then it's like, oh, she's letting herself go. But it's like, no, it's the same thing as you going gray. It's yeah. like, no, damn it. I am not, yeah. I don't let myself go. I eat awesome. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? And I do exercise. Well, not this week, but I do exercise (laughs) (laughs) and all those things. But it just it makes me mad, too, for different because it's like it's not fair. And I do take care of myself. And this is how God made my body. So what am I going to do? I think about also the gender. Let's think about Hollywood, for instance. Yeah. Like when when an older woman continues to get um, parts, people are like, wow. It's impressive that she's in her 50s and still gets good roles. So it's sad. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and it's this idea that, you know, and uh, you, you hear it over and over and over again. Well, she's starting to look old. She's probably not going to get parts anymore. Uh-huh. Or, um, look, she's, you know, she's really gone downhill. We don't ever say that about a man who's acting, ever. No. Um, I mean, let's look at George Clooney. Everybody just like he keeps getting better and better, which he does but <laughs> but it's this it's this cultural narrative yeah. that that women don't get better with age and men do yeah and the only way to me to fight that um to fight that cultural narrative is for us um e- each of us individually standing up for that and saying you know um yes I'm working on myself and I'm trying to be healthy and I'm not mm-hmm. letting myself go but I'm also the best 40-year-old I can be. I'm the best 50-year-old I can be. I'm not 50 and trying to look like a 20-year-old. Well, and that goes back to that original definition you read that it does not demand change in externals or whatever. What did it say exactly? Yeah, um, an internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. Yeah, so, I mean, there's things, we're always working on ourselves, hopefully, right? Like, but I hope we're never stagnant. But at the same time, it's like, we're not going to be like, well, I'm just going to hate myself until I, whatever it is. So I think, yeah. I mean, but then it gets into the question of, like, what's too much, right? Yeah. So, like, I dye my hair because I I like having blonde highlights. And I, like, I do things. And, you know, I feel like I see other women who are, like, they get fillers and plastic surgery. And none of that's wrong. You know, like, yeah. none of that is not okay. 
Yeah. And it's all such a personal decision. Like how can I, I'm asking you and kind of thinking through this out loud, but like how, how can I'm learning how to discern that for myself? Cause I think yeah. it is a discernment and wisdom thing and it's really yeah. between you and God. Yeah. And I mean, there, I mean, you can be Dolly Parton and it doesn't mean it's wrong, you know, yeah. but you can also be super crunchy granola mom who doesn't do anything and that's not wrong either. So like, but I think we try to like put rules on it. Yeah. Like, well, it's okay if you're aging and you do this. And then we'll see women who yeah. maybe do look a little real housewifey and we like judge them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of, we talked about before about motives. Mm-hmm. And I also think about, um, are you, are you trying to be somebody different than who you are? Mm-hmm. So I believe, let's use Dolly Parton as an example. I believe Dolly Parton's being exactly who I Dolly do Parton too, is. but that's like, not how she looked originally. Exactly. So like, how but, do you, but she, but you know, that's Dolly Parton. Yeah. And I, but I think that what happens is it like for me, uh, me personally, if I tried to become Dolly Parton, that wouldn't be me. Right. 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 And so we have to decide what is best for each of us individually. And we have to bring that before God and be like, you know, what is the best version of me? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and some people, you know, plastic, I, you know, I know people that have had to get plastic surgery on their eyes because it was impeding their vision and it had to do with their droopy eyes. And yes, it made them look better when they did it. Well, obviously that, that was something that needed to be done for them for their lifestyle to be better at their age. And then there's other people who obviously go way overboard on plastic surgery. And I would believe that there's discontent bred in that people that are overdue plastic surgery because they're six years old and want to look 20. I'm going to call that out as discontentment. Um, I, 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 that's not a judgment of the decisions Mm -hmm. that they have made. And I'm not saying anybody that gets Botox or anybody that gets like this type of plastic surgery, I'm not judging their decision to do that. But if you are constantly trying to be somebody you're not, there's obviously discontent there. And so I think it all comes back to a motive check, your heart check. Like, yeah. Am am I, am I discontent in the situation? And am I trying to cover that up with X, Y, and Z? Yeah, I think that's good. Like I, Something I feel like the Lord's been having me do is, so I'm like a big makeup person. Like I yeah. love makeup. It's super fun. Whatever. I always. Yeah. And that's you. And that's who and you it's are. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once a week I make a point to not wear any makeup and to go in public and just live my normal life without yeah. it because I don't want to forget. I'm the opposite, by the way. I make myself make <laughs> wear makeup once a week so that I can actually remember that I know how to do it. <laughs> I think the thing about it is I don't want to forget my baseline. And I mm-hmm. think once you start, like, this is just me. And I don't know if this is like good advice for everybody, but like, I don't want to forget what I look like when I wake up in the morning. And I don't want to get so used to doing myself and putting myself together in a certain way yeah. where I'm wearing like figure altering clothes and like my hair's like all of those things. Like I want to remember what I really look like so that then the next day when I go to get ready, it's not building on the previous days, like kind of fakeness. You know what I mean? Like it's building from ground zero, which I think for me is a very healthy thing to do. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that's good ways to work on our contentment and just, um, cause you know, you find makeup to be fun and you enjoy it. And that I is do. something you like to do. And that that's not a, I, I think the way you stray from it being this fun thing that you enjoy doing and changing things up all the time. And that's a part of your creativity. As right, well. right. You like beautiful things. You like, it's yes. almost like a painter's canvas. And yes. that is, the, the line comes in of where this is, this, this is fun Why thing that you, you like doing to do. Or am I doing this to cover up flaws? Yeah. And, um, and I think that, that there's that, that line. And that, well, and I think too, there's a tension because of course yes. I'm covering up flaws. Of course. 
course we you all know. do it. Like, so it's like how, but yeah, it's always like just checking back in with your motive and yeah. yeah. But then, I mean, for you, it hasn't always been, it's not physical stuff. Do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about so that? So for me, so it's, it's funny because, you know, my threeness, um, you know, our baseline is achievement. Mm-hmm. Like we, as, as a three, like I constantly judge everything that's happening in my life based on where am I achieving in these areas. And so, you know, it was interesting. I read a, um, a study and it was actually, in the, it was talked about in the Washington Post. It was actually based on a book by Jonathan um, Roche or Rauch. I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's called The Happiness Curve, Why Life Gets Better After 50. And it was interesting because he talked about, and there was tons of scientific evidence. They did a lot of um, statistical analysis and talking to people from all over the world. This isn't just, wasn't just an American-based study, but it was all over the world. And they were, they came up with this U-curve of happiness. Um, and obviously this is a secular report. This isn't a, a biblical report, but it's the U-curve of happiness. And like, peak of contentment so think of a u on the the left side of the u was your 20s so a lot of people in their 20s say they're happy with life and we were actually talking about before mm-hmm. we started the microphone that a lot of that is a false sense of happiness well yeah because <laughs> in your 20s you're hot you have like disposable income yeah the world is your oyster you most likely don't have tw- children you don't have yet. kids or like you know or well you did because you got married when no, you were 12 but but i didn't have kids when <laughs> I but you don't have responsibilities. Like, you're kind of just living for you. We, we traveled a ton. We went yeah. to grad school. You know, it, it, life was, it, we lived in, we moved from apartment to apartment. It was a different lifestyle, right? Yeah. And then, and then if you look at the dip in the U, the lowest point of the U is your 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a majority of people in the studies that they did that answered that they were discontent in life or they felt depression or felt like their life had no purpose or meaning or they hadn't lived out the expectations for their life were in their 30s and 40s. Um, the highest amount of antidepressant use in this study was from 45 to 49 interesting um and so a lot of a lot of people struggle with because you know when you're in your teens and your 20s um at least for me because my struggle in life is constantly wanting achievement so I started my my 20s with this expectation of what I was going to look like achievement wise Mm -hmm. and what I was going to do with my life and then you get to your 30s and 40s and realize I am not couldn't do those things mm-hmm. um and that doesn't mean those dreams and those desires and those passions die they just they your expectations that you have they become tons, realistic they become realistic and it was funny um the other day our pastor was sharing um this kind of same idea and he talked about you know when you're your teens your teens your 20s you think you're gonna dunk that basketball and then you get to your 30s and 40s you realize I'm never going to dunk the basketball. And I feel very, that very much resonated with me. But then if you look at the top of the U, like, I think if we can work through those things in our thirties and forties, you get to the top of the U in your fifties. And a lot of the research showed that people at 50 plus, there was an increase, increasing amount of contentment with where they were in life. Um, But I think the work has to be done in your thirties and forties and like building like lessening expectations and building your contentment. Well, I mean, it's that thing where like the first half of your life is spent being told how to be successful and trying to fit in. And then you Mm -hmm. get to like your thirties and forties and you're like, wow, a lot of the stuff I've learned is BS and you're unlearning old narratives. And I mean, and it's funny, like we all think we're like the only ones doing this work, but all of us are, even if you didn't come from like a traumatic home, like you've got a bunch of stuff working against you that you're having to like, do intentional work with and like I mean Brene Brown wouldn't be popular if this wasn't true you know like just embracing vulnerability and like all of these things that go against what our culture says you need to do to be successful so like when you're in your early 20s it's kind of like 
you still think you can do that stuff. And you've gotten pretty good at, at being a good girl and a good boy. And masking. And masking. Perfections and, and, and then, your background and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. And then once you get to like middle age, which is where most of us and our listeners, you guys listening are, you're kind of, that's where this discontent is, is it's like, well, dang it. Like I've done all this stuff I'm supposed to do. Why am I not happier? Or like yes. for me, I shared on an earlier episode, like I came to a point where I was like, I have an amazing husband, wonderful children. I love my house. I love my dog. Like I have everything and yeah. I'm, I'm discontent. Yeah. And it's, it's just, and it's not because of the externals. It's because yes. of your internal. And so then I think hopefully by the time you're 50, you get to a point where you're able to unlearn and relearn what's important. But yeah. I mean, and Richard Rohr talks about that all the time. Yeah. Like the the first half of life is, or the second half of spiritual development is unlearning what you've learned or whatever that yeah, thing yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, so uh, true. Yeah, it's very true. And um, one of the verses that came to mind when I was thinking about all this is Second Corinthians four sixteen says, "Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day." And that I think that's the key to aging contentedly or mm-hmm. gracefully or however you want to say it mm-hmm. is, is yes, just coming to the terms with, yes, our outwards wasting away and we can be healthy and we mm-hmm. can take care of our bodies because they are a temple. We talked about that in our body yeah. gym image episodes. It's, and we talked about in our stewardship episodes about putting good food in. Um, and and I, I think God calls us to take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. but we also have to like come to the conclusion that our bodies are wasting away. I hurt more when I wake up in the morning now than I did a year ago. And that's just going to continue. Yeah. And there's, there's things I can do to, you know, become, you know, less achy and certain, whatever, however you want to think about it. But like our outward bodies are on a pattern towards death. It's yeah. just the way it is. It's yeah. factual, scientific fact, Good not morning. just biblical fact. Rebecca Pete. <laughs> the, 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 the bringing the morbidity here, but like, <laughs> but our outwards are wasting away, but our inwards aren't. Yeah. Our inwards are with us forever in eternity. Yeah. And like the, the, the key to aging contentedly and gracefully is working on those inwards. Like yeah. my, my job it, it right now is to um, prepare um, my inward body for what, for what's to come. Yeah. And like that continue, that, that can, can continue to grow and look more beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful when the, my outside by worldly standards is becoming less and less and less. So, and so I think that, you know, that's where, that's where the key is and yeah. the secret is. And that goes back to the trust and all of those things. Um, but it, putting the focus on that, I found a really great quote. Her name was um, Myron Taylor. And she said, time may wrinkle the skin, but worry, um, doubt, hate, and the loss of ideals wrinkle the soul. Mm. And um, as we um, gracefully accept the passing of years, God will smooth the wrinkles of our souls. Mm-hmm. And I think so, even though, yes, we're, we can do as much Botox as we want, our body's still going to waste away. We can color our hair as much as we want, but it's going to get yeah. grayer and grayer underneath. But the, our, the inside of us is what is going to um, become more beautiful. And I'll, there's a lot of scripture about how the wisdom that comes with age it's yeah. gorgeous. And that's Rebecca translation, not any other version. Um, <laughs> I don't think gorgeous is used at all in scripture. But um, <laughs> but it, you know, the you know, gray hairs is a crown. Yeah. Um, there there's wisdom and understanding that comes with the age. And so, but we only get to that point because there are foolish old people too. Yeah. And the sure. only way we get to that is is this cultivation of our inner self um, while the outer self is wasting away. Which means I think like if you're 
so I have two things to say about that. One, there's this phrase in the like kind of body positive community that I just love. It says your body is not an ornament. It's an instrument. And if you think about that for a second, what do you do with ornamental things? You dust them and you preserve them. That's Mm -hmm. all you do with them. Mm -hmm. But instruments have to be rewired. They have to be oiled. They have to be kept at tuned. Yeah. And I just think that's such a beautiful image of the two ways we can look at ourselves. Yeah. And that doesn't mean instruments aren't also polished and shined and made beautiful. They are. Yeah. But they're not a little porcelain doll that you wipe off every couple weeks. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I just love that image. And um, I don't know. I forgot the other thing I was going to say. So we'll come back to that later. (laughs) It'll come back to you. Well, um, it's funny. um, I was reading... Francis, Chan, Francis Chan's views on aging. And there's this great video that I'll link to online that he, that he um, does on aging, but he's, he, I mean, he's real frank. He says, and that's how he lives his life. But every year we live, we are one step closer to meeting Jesus. Every year should bring an increased awareness of how precious time is and how we must make use of every moment to serve him. And I think that is for me where I want to lean into. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I mean, statistically, I probably have another 30 or 40 years of life. So it's not like I'm dying anytime soon. I mean, who knows? I mean, all, all our, the times in our days are in God's hand and I could walk out and get hit by a bus today. But most likely. Morbid too. <laughs> <laughs> but most likely I have a long life yes. to live still. You know, yeah. I'm only mm-hmm. halfway done. Yeah. And so statistically. And so, but every year is a step closer to eternity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what am I doing to make use of that because I think American sentimentality is, is in our thirties and forties, our goal is to build for retirement so that one day we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that's a Christian sentimentality. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously it's important to, um, to save and we'll talk about this in the finance and finances, but just save and, and, and like to, and to rest and to rest. And like, I, I think rest is important and, but, and it can, we could stop working our day mm-hmm. job, but does that mean we're just going to like play golf every day and fish? I mean, yes, yeah. we're going to get to do more of that than we get to do in the daily grind now. But I also think it is the point of it is to give us freedom to serve God more Yeah, with, without having to worry about our resources. Yeah. Like we don't have to worry about making a daily, you know, the weekly paycheck because mm-hmm. we're saved for retirement so that we can do more for the kingdom. Um, and, and, and I think that that is a scriptural mentality on retirement versus the American mentality. And not saying that traveling is not important. And re- like you said, resting and spending time with our grandkids and that kind of stuff is not important because it is. But I think what are, what are we working towards? Like, what is our motivation? Well, I think that attitude is sort of symptomatic of the way we're living, right? It's like, yeah. all rest when. Yeah. I'll have fun when. We don't yeah. know how to integrate this into our life now. Yes. We're, we suck at Sabbath. We suck at, like, making this a lifestyle and part of our life. So that a lot of us do glamorize retirement and think, like, yeah. oh, like, oh, one day I'm just going to. And it's like, it doesn't occur to you. You could rest right now. Yeah. Like, you could put your stupid phone down and sit down and enjoy your life for a minute. Yeah. And so I or think, when I don't have my kids at the house anymore, then I can do X, Y, and Z. Right. And I can serve No, that's here. real. No, <laughs> well, I mean, well yeah, there, there is, but that doesn't mean that like know, during worried. their child raising years. That you can't take margin and space. Oh, they can't yeah. take margin and space and that you can't serve other people while you're yeah. in the midst of it. It's true. I mean, how do kids learn how to serve but by seeing their parents do yeah. it? So I think that we're, uh, the, the thir- your 30s and 40s and even into your 50s, you're like building this foundation 
to this legacy that you're creating Mm -hmm. um, for the kingdom, for your family? And do we have that long view in mind? Or are we just like trying to get to where we don't have to do anything anymore? Yeah. And I do want to say like, so I felt, I feel like so many feelings about talking about this physical aging stuff. But one thing I feel a lot of is um, I feel some shame because I think like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm like vapid. Like I have nothing to worry about. But I think, I just want to say that to encourage other people. Like if you do notice that you're really preoccupied with this stuff, like A, we live in a culture where it's thrown at you constantly Mm -hmm. and people are devalued for aging and people are valued for youth. And so, and I'm not, this is not news, but I'm just reminding you that like, there is a lot working against you and we have an enemy who knows what you're sensitive to and can really like, you know, pump up the gas on these things if he knows that these are things that bother you. So Mm -hmm. I just want to like throw that out there that it's not, I mean, and it can kind of also be a control thing. Mm -hmm. It's a way. So sometimes I think when we are afraid of, I mean, to be morbid again, but when we're afraid of dying really is what it is. And we see these signs of decay, whether it's in your career or in your face or whatever it is, we can be really afraid and we can, we can cling and say like, oh, well, if I, if I wear these like jeans that the young kids are wearing or like just whatever it is, then, then I can, it's like essentially in your brain, you're kind of trying to prevent death or like, well, if I can get my name on a book or if I can like, you know, just accomplish this stuff. But it, so I just want to say like that, you know, I think a lot of times we judge our behaviors and we are like, no, no, tisk tisk. But it's like, I feel like when God looks at us, he sees why you're doing it. And his heart is just like full of compassion for us. So I just want to say that, that this Mm -hmm. isn't something that God's like, how dare you? You should be grateful for aging. Aging is a gift, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's like, I know, I know how hard he knows how hard it is and he gets it. So I just want to say that out loud. Yeah. And I want to say, I guess, kind of, you know, because we're getting to the point of wrapping up here. I, I think that what where I want to go with it is, is I think lots of times we think, or at least for me, we're like so stuck in our daily to do's mm-hmm. and what, how I need to like survive today. Like, and by survive, you know, I'm saying it from an American mentality because we all, none of us know what it means to survive day to day. We like to use that. Oh, I'm just surviving day to day with my kids. I'm like, well, yeah, well, you're not in a Syrian refugee camp. You don't have a clue what it means. You didn't to travel a desert for 10 hours to get water. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying that facetiously. I know. Facetiously. But like the day in, day out grind of life um, in our 30s and 40s, like we're, we don't look ahead to the future. And I think that, I think God is calling all of us to godliness, even in old age, and to building a a legacy, and to um, live for Him all through our lives. Mm -hmm. And we cannot have that habit when we're old if we're not cultivating it now. And so this goes back to the passage about, you know, working on our innards. Like, Mm -hmm. the outside's wasting away, and it may not look like it right now, but you're going to turn around one day, and you're going to be 60, and you're going to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be 70, and you're going to be able to feel it, you know, or whatever. And, like, our, our... Right now is that time to build that foundation and not forget and like just, you know, the daily grind in and out, in and out, in and out. And then one day your kids are gone and you're, you're looking at your husband or you're looking at your wife, if any men are listening, and you're, you're looking at him and you're like, 
what have we done? Yeah. Like, obviously, we raise kids, and that's wonderful. But, like, what have we done to our innards to prepare us for now where we have this time to serve and this time to give back, and we haven't cultivated anything inwardly? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I that is my call to people. So your, your call is – is 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 one of giving ourselves grace in these struggles and my call is wake up like mm-hmm. you know the days are short um and we and god's god wants us to to age gracefully and the only way we can do that is to develop our walk with him now yeah it's so true we're always planting seeds and i mean even if it there's i don't know i just i can't stress enough the importance of starting small like yeah. because i think Sometimes we hear like a call to action and we think like, oh no, I got to be ready to be 55. But it's like, no, do something really tiny right now. Well, and what, however, you know, we're developing habits. So like, let's go back to the fact that we say content when we came back to talking about contentment and we said it was trust, you know, that those things go hand in hand. Well, like developing trust is a habit. Like how we respond mentally and emotionally to life's problems are habits that we are developing now that our kids are developing now that Mm -hmm. we're still developing. That's going to carry us all the way through old age, but we have to be working on those habits. Yeah. We have to be building the muscle of trust. We have to be building the muscle of praise and of hope for what's to come. Like we have to be building those muscles. And if we just like, um, just go about our daily business and not think about those things, then our inwards are going to waste away like our outwards. Yeah. And a really practical thing you can do. When you see a little girl, tell her she's smart or that she's funny or anything else. Yeah. That's just my little call. If you see one of my little girls, especially. (laughs) Because they're also beautiful, too. So, you know, but. But I see it happening. I see it. People, because our kids are cute and people, I mean, all kids are cute, you know. And for some reason, when people see the double twins, they're like, ooh, and I get it. And I want that. But I also am like, man, you guys are funny. And yeah. you're awesome. And you're, you're creative. Really and this. you're talented. And, yeah. and like, yeah. so anyway, yeah, yeah, I feel like we can, even though we haven't had these things yes. the way we should have had them, we can always help the next generation. And I think that, you know, we, we look at cultural dysfunction and we think, what difference can I make? And I think that is something, a difference we can make. I can, I, I think watching our words yeah. Um, in front of the next generation yeah. is key. Yeah. Um, I think about, you know, we're watching um, a football game and they're, you know, think it was hush. We're a football family. It's fine. <laughs> I think it was a football game. It, it doesn't matter the exact context. But and there was a female reporter and something from um, the peanut gallery was said. I'm going to try to keep names out of it. But the peanut gallery was said. <laughs> um, somebody sitting in my living room was said about her looking old. Maybe they need to find a new announcer. Ugh, and my my daughter was sitting there. And I um, and I said. Um, I looked at her and I said, she's still there because she can do her job. She's still there because she is a very good sideline reporter. She's there because she has a lot of knowledge of football. She's not there um, because of her looks. And, um, And so I think we have to constantly be on guard mm-hmm. to turn 
that cultural narrative. It is, that is the only way. And and like, I, I can only do it for my sphere of influence, but you can do it for your sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. which is different than my sphere of influence. Everybody's listening has their own spheres. If we were all trying to change that cultural narrative to show our daughters and our sons, because my son was sitting there too. So he's internalizing that as well. Um, That's, that's okay to have that notion and then that mentality. And so we, we are, we can affect the next generation Mm -hmm. and change the cultural narrative if we all just like work in our sphere yeah and, so. and I said girl moms that totally goes for boy moms because yeah. you're determining what they how they view women how they view women yeah, yeah and exactly the aging process in women and yeah. our sphere isn't that small because yeah. there's six degrees of separation right like yeah. I mean think about how many people you know yeah it's just true it's I yeah. don't know anyway but it's good this is good um it's good to talk about this stuff let us know um your thoughts let us know where you're struggling with aging we'd like to hear yeah and be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be talking about contentment in relationships. Um, there's going to be a lot of disclaimers there. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. same thing with like, you know, yeah. don't, uh, you don't just have to sit there and take it. Yeah. But we do have to be content yes. in our relationships. So that's a tricky thing. Yeah, so it's going to be a tricky conversation. We're looking yeah. forward to diving into that. So until next week, I hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you later. Okay. See you next week. Bye.